Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building, it's like 120 yards away, what do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody <laughs> on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. We record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. And the podcast is also brought to you by OnX Maps. And with OnX Maps, you can know where you stand with the most accurate hunting GPS tech on the market with land ownership maps that work offline. Go to onxmaps.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 20% when you sign up for an app membership at onxmaps.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Gerber. Uh, go to gerbergear.com and learn about the knives, the vital, the big game vital, the Gator Premium, all the things that we use when we're out in the woods and not just knives, but also some really cool multi-tools that they have. We're also proud to partner with Sitka Gear, and if you go to sitkagear.com, you'll see their full line of clothing, and their tagline is turning clothing into gear, and they are doing that through advanced technology that allows you to stay in the field longer, hunt harder, and stay safer. The Elk Talk Podcast is also brought to you by GoHunt.com. Uh, go to GoHunt.com and sign up for the Insider. Um, the, the insider is changing how haunts and hunting information are found. No doubt about that. Use promo code ELKTALK, and when you do, when you sign up for the insider, you're going to get $50 of store credit, mad money, in their gear shop. And we are also brought to you by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is the original designer and inventor of the pallet plate diaphragm that's completely changed the way elk calls are made and used. And to find out more and to order your elk calls, go to RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com or BuglingBull.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 15% on all of your elk calls and elk call accessories. And with that, Corey... We are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it. Well, Corey, it is that time of year where the critical part of going elk hunting is, even though elk season is eight months away, um, we got to have our act together this time of year if we're going to go, right? That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there are some opportunities to be last minute when it comes to planning an elk hunt, but if you want to do it right, it's now's the time. Yeah. I would strongly suggest that if you want to go elk hunting this year, 
you quote unquote get on the ball and start thinking about it. Uh, kind of related. Was it the last podcast episode we did where we did the Q and A about the guy from Missouri who said, "If I have a thousand dollars, how do I yep. allocate it for tag applications?" Yep. Well, we're going to get into a lot more detail about that today. I think, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to talk about how to actually implement it and make it happen. Yeah. Wyoming. Wyoming is first out of the gate. So for those of you who have played the application game before, you know it's uh, there are application deadlines. And Wyoming is, uh, is the first one for a non-resident. And we're going to be talking about non-resident applications. And Wyoming's first one. So we're going to dive in and walk through that whole process. As much as changed in Wyoming this year, I wonder if it's easier to talk about what did change or what didn't change. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So this one, folks, pay close attention because there are a ton of changes, or at least the changes that are there, I think, are very impactful to the yeah. draft strategy and the application strategy I have and that, that probably anyone's going to have. Yeah. Yeah. In the past, you know, the deadline's been January 31st, which it still is, and usually have results within like three weeks. It's usually that third week of February. You know, if you drew a tag for elk in Wyoming, and that allows you to plan the rest of your season because most of the other states, the deadline hasn't even approached yet. So if you don't draw, you're able to to look at another state. If you do draw, then you know what your plans are and, and you don't have to apply for another state. You can buy points. But that, uh, that's gone out the window in Wyoming this year. Yeah. This year, they changed the, like you said, the deadline stays January 31st, but they are, they aren't going to do the draw till sometime in mid-May, and then the results will come out in late May, and the refunds won't come out until sometime in June. Yeah. Which if you're trying to manage the budget, like the last podcast, you know, the thousand dollar budget, that's, that's painful in Wyoming to have them sitting on your money for, from the January 31st deadline until sometime in June. Yeah. Yep. And it, you know, like you said, it changes the financial aspect as well as the planning aspect. It's by June, pretty much all the other draws are done. The applications yeah. have, have come and gone. You know, even Idaho, you don't, you, you have until June 5th. And I think it's about the last one where you can apply for elk. And at that point, your money's been tied up. And, and Wyoming's not cheap. It's $707 for a regular elk application. Yeah. And uh, if you go in the special draw, it's something like almost $1,300, $1,283, I think. Yeah, I just went and did mine the other day. Uh, well, it's today. January 6th, I think I did my Wyoming application two or three days ago. And it was, by the time I got all done with my 2.5% transaction fee and my $15 application fee, it was $1,308 or something like that in the special draw. Wow. Yeah. Ouch. And you just donated that to Wyoming to gain interest on for the next six months? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess the reason we're starting right there, folks, is because if you're sitting on a pool of money that you're only able to use that pool of money for all your applications, then you kind of got to be rolling it from one to the other. 
Wyoming has eliminated that possibility now because of how long they're going to sit on your your money before you get a refund. And honestly, that was a, a big part of why we've always been so hip on Wyoming and, and being a great state to apply in because it is early. Uh, you can you know quickly whether you drew or not, and then you can make plans from there whether you drew or didn't draw. And, and that's, you know, I, I think it'll it'll require everyone to kind of reevaluate those who have a little bit more budget for applications. Uh, Wyoming might still be a good idea because there are great hunting opportunities in Wyoming. But if you're trying to stretch that budget and apply, you know, for as many places as you can, Wyoming just uh, fouled that all up for, for all of us. Yeah. I think Wyoming probably took themselves out of the game for a handful of people. Uh, How big that is i don't know but so if you're one of those people who say look i'm not gonna let wyoming sit on my pot of money for however long whatever you do don't miss the point purchase deadline come july august and september is it does it go into october i know it's for sure it it actually goes to november 2nd this year Oh, wow. So you have July 1st through November 2nd to purchase a point in Wyoming. Okay. So if you are going to forego Wyoming because of how long they're sitting on your money, don't forget to go and buy a point somewhere in that period that Corey just mentioned. Yep. And it's, I think, $50, $52 for a point. Is that? Something with the transaction fee and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's $52. And. For those of you trying to figure out a way to not pay the 2.5% transaction fee on all that money they ask for up front, brace yourself because there's no way around it. They no longer accept paper applications. You have to do it online. So when you do it online, you're doing it with a credit card and you're paying the 2.5% transaction fee. Yep. And like Randy said, you know, that $1,283 and then you've got a $12.50 conservation stamp if you draw, uh, you know, at 2.5%, that's an extra $32.39 yeah. to apply for elk for the special. And, I, you know, you mentioned it'll be interesting to see how many people fall out of the draw in Wyoming due to this. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious, and I actually haven't looked yet. I haven't applied for Wyoming or actually made a plan for this season, but uh, I'm interested to go back and look at the 2019 draw odds and see how much they changed due to the increase in tag. You know, it was almost a 30% or a 30% increase in tag price or yeah. something that, that they went to. And it'd be interesting to see how much of a fallout there was there. And then with this new change, if they continue. And honestly, I think all Western states are looking at the impact um, the increase in interest from non-resident hunters and how to manage that impact. And yeah. I'm pretty confident that this is probably another another step in that direction to make it more difficult for non-residents to uh, apply. Yeah, I, it's interesting you say that. And I think it was in August, I was invited. The Western Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies has their... I think it's a semi-annual meeting. Uh, They had it in late August. I was out hunting, but one of them reached out to me and asked if I'd come and talk about uh, 
point creep demand draw systems and stuff and unfortunately i wasn't able to do it because i was scheduled to be on a hunt i think trail kreitzer from go hunt uh ended up going there and talking to all them about it so it's definitely on their minds of how do we manage this what's what makes sense for the agency what keeps it fair between residents and non-residents um it's yeah it's a reality we have to deal with and that's kind of the purpose of a podcast like this is to at least lay out the landscape of how it's working how it's happening uh and what you can do to account for some of that and hopefully put yourself in the mix yep yeah, one and thing i think that, that what's that I was just going to say, I think in that last podcast, you know, it, we talked about how you can leverage the timing to apply for Wyoming. If you don't draw, you can buy a license and apply for Arizona. Um, that, that's really changed because Arizona is the next state up on the list with an application deadline. And it's going to make it really hard to stretch those dollars now to go from Wyoming to Arizona. So that right. the whole the whole process we just outlined, um, if Wyoming was a state and you are limited to a thousand dollar budget, you uh that's either you go there and then go otc or you have to figure out a different plan and a different strategy yeah so for those wondering with the deadline of january 31st and the final tag numbers in wyoming i think get their commission approves them sometime in April. They are extending the change withdrawal slash modification deadline until May 8th. So yep. if something happens where Wyoming drops the tag numbers in the unit you applied for, you could go in and change. Or if you ended up seeing that they increased tag numbers in some place, you could go in and change. Or if you drew, say you, you do have enough money to play the game in, in multiple states, including Wyoming, say you drew something in New Mexico or Arizona and you found out before May 8th, you could go in and if the dates conflicted or you just couldn't do multiple hunts in a year, you could go in and withdraw your Wyoming application by May 8th. Yep. The down? Yeah, and it's... Uh it says on their website that, well, actually, this is on Go Hunt. Um, it says that Wyoming will publish their final season, final hunting season information on May 1st. Oh, May 1st. Okay. Yep. So you'll have basically a week to go through that information and decide whether you want to withdraw or make a modification. And it doesn't say if there will be a cost or what the cost will be to withdraw or make a modification yeah there i don't believe there's any cost to make a modification if you withdraw i think there's a withdrawal fee and they still sit on your money until they issue all the other refunds so <laughs> you're, you're the only, oh, there goes that one yeah yeah the only benefit you're going to get by withdrawing is you'll get most of your money back and know that you don't have a conflict with whatever other tag you might have drawn. Yeah. So, and then the basics, we've covered this in past podcasts, but for people who maybe uh, are wanting to confirm what's in their mind or new to the game, uh, Corey had mentioned earlier that there's two levels 
of application in all of Wyoming straws for all for at least deer, elk, and antelope. There's the regular price and the special price straw. And the weird part is, it's the same tag no matter what. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's strictly just you can pay a little more to you know ideally and theoretically have a better chance of drawing a tag. Yeah. So I, I'm one of those people who I go through every unit. I have these spreadsheets and I see if the random odds were better in the special or the regular. And this year I only found one unit where the odds in the regular were better than the special. And it's yep. a unit that's on my list. But here's my worry is all the other folks are going to see that and they're all going to jump over there and say, <laughs> well, I, I'm going to apply in the regular for this, this hunt code because it's better odds than the special. Um, so it, it, those fluky anomalies happen every year where sometimes there's better draw odds for less money. Um, and I think what happens is the majority of the outfitted clients are right are suggested their outfitters suggest to apply in the special because it increases their odds of getting a tag and there are units that have a lot of wilderness area and non-residents have to use an outfitter there uh where the draw odds in the regular uh, in frequent frequent periods are better than they are in the special yeah um and so. you said something there that I, th I think is really important to restate, and that is non-residents in the state of Wyoming have to use an outfitter to hunt in the wilderness area. And or, so if or, a Wyoming or a resident. resident. Yeah. Yep. So if you are looking at units, there are some really good units that are really uh, quite easy to draw that have really high success rates. And the first, you know, when you're on go hunt looking through insider on there, there are, there are five or six units that jump out and it's, you know, you look at it and you're seeing bull to cow ratios of 40 to a hundred and success rates of 60% for archery and phenomenal analytics. And then you realize they're in the wilderness area <laughs> and in, in a heavily populated grizzly area. So you've got to deal with grizzlies. You've got to, either go with an outfitter or have a Wyoming resident that uh, can take you. And there, there's some regulations there. I believe they have to be with you in the field at all times, and they can only take so many people per year as a resident, uh, so many non-residents. And anyway, just be aware that if you are applying for some of those units, check to see if it's in wilderness area and realize that there are some pretty unique regulations for non-residents hunting in those wilderness areas yeah and if if the draw odds look ridiculously good there's possibly a there's reason, a reason. Why. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but uh, another thing back to the basics and and out in the go hunt insider uh they have diagrams that really illustrate the the craziness of Wyoming's system or the, the diagram of how it works. But we were talking how there's the more expensive special draw and there's the lower price regular draw. 40% of the non-resident tags are allocated to the special draw and 60% to the regular draw. So if there were 
10 non-resident tags, six of them would go in the regular draw and four of them would go in the special draw. Yep. And then to take it one step further from that, within each of those pools, there is the bonus point draw where, or preference point, sorry, it's preference point in Wyoming, preference point draw. And those with the max points are guaranteed 75% of those tags. Right. And then another 25% go in the random where you are weighted by your by your points, but anybody can draw. So, you know, we'll, we'll use, say, the general tag in Wyoming typically takes two to three points to draw uh, to be guaranteed. But every year there are several people with zero points that put in for the first time and draw that because 25% of those tags are available to anyone, regardless of how many points they have. Yeah. So just as an example, if there were 400 general tags in the draw, 300 of those 400 would go by preference point, and 100 of the 400 or 25% would just be a random draw to everybody, irregardless yep. of, of their point totals. Yep. And I think I mentioned, or I, I think I misstated that it's weighted based on how many points you have. It's, I don't believe it is. I think that in Wyoming, it's strictly random. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is strictly random. And so the, the sequence of how it happens is whether you have zero points or what's maximum points this year? 14, I think. Um, if I remember right. If you have zero, 14, or somewhere in between, everybody goes into the preference point draw. It's just how it is. That's the first part of their draw. And then they start with the highest point holders and start working their way down the list until all of the preference point tags are gone, that that pool of 75%. Anyone who doesn't draw in the first part, called the preference point uh, round, Everybody then gets moved over to the random draw. And in the random draw, we all get, you know, just one. It's like everyone Name gets thrown in the hand raffle ticket. Yep. And maybe you're going to be the lucky person. Maybe you're not. So, so it's, it's yeah. totally possible for someone with max points to not draw a tag and somebody with zero points to draw that same tag in Wyoming. Right. <laughs> Which I like the system. That's, that's, that's a good system. Yeah, that, that is completely possible. I mean, last year, one of our guys, Michael, he had one point. And we knew that in the unit he applied for, it was taking nine or ten points to draw over the last few years. But he, he drew one of the random tags. So here's Michael with one point who drew, and there were a lot of people with eight, nine, ten points who didn't draw. Is this yep. how it can work out? Yeah. So it gives hope to somebody who's just getting in. You know, a lot of states, Colorado, for instance, you have to have max points, and they don't right. give anything by random or any opportunity for somebody less than max points to draw that tag. Uh, so a state like Wyoming does give hope to somebody that, hey, I'm just getting into the draw. I don't have to wait 10 years to draw a premium tag. I could potentially draw. You know, your odds are pretty low, but somebody's got to draw, and it could be you. Yeah. I've I have never hunted 
the general season in Wyoming. I've hunted it quite a few times on lower point total hunts where you can draw with one or two points, but I've never hunted the general season. I know you have, Corey. I have. And so let's explain to people what that and the code that you apply for is the letters G-E-N, like the first three letters of general, correct? Yep. That's the hunt code. And, and and finding that information on Wyoming's website is not easy. Like no. it's <laughs> even finding the draw odds, the success rates, all of that. And then it's very confusing because you have all the different types of hunts in Wyoming. You know, they break it down into a uh, type one, which is your full priced antlered or either sex hunt, you know, type two, type three, type four, all the way to type nine, which is your full price archery only hunt. And then they have a type zero and you're looking at all of that. And then they have a general on top of that. And so it's super confusing. But the general tag in Wyoming, uh, basically, for a resident, it's over the counter. They can just show up at the Walmart and buy their elk license and go hunt in multiple different units. There, I don't remember how many there are, 30 or 40 units, something. You know, there's, a, there's a high number of units that are included in that general license. And for a resident, they go and buy it. For a non-resident, you have to apply. And once you draw that, you can bounce from one unit to the next. You can hunt one day in, uh, I don't even know the numbers of units that allow you to hunt with the general license, but you can hunt one day in one unit, and then the next day you can pack up and drive across the state to a completely different unit that's included in that general license. And the cool part is, and I, I don't know across the board if it's the same, but I know in the unit that we have hunted in the past, you hunt archery, and it's September 1st through September 30th, I believe. Yeah. And then you can go back and hunt with a rifle on October, I think, 15th is when the general rifle season opens if you don't tag out in archery. So a lot of opportunities. There are some units that require you to draw a tag, a Type 9 archery tag to hunt, say, the first half of the season, archery season. But then after the 15th or the 20th, that same unit opens up to people with a general tag to come and hunt as well. So a lot of a lot of rabbit holes there that you can easily fall down or miss or not yeah. be aware of in the state of Wyoming. And if you're listening to what Corey's saying, your head might be spinning saying, man, that sounds confusing. <laughs> and <Yep>. it is. <laughs> it is. Download the proclamations off their website and read it cover to cover. Uh, you and I, we subscribe to go hunt and that's a bit of a, a shortcut because they provide the strategy articles that outline all of this and have diagrams and illustrations of maps of here are the units that are included with that. You can hunt with your general tag. Here are the units you can hunt. Like you were saying after September 15th as the archery part with your general tag. And so Point of all that is, it's not, uh, it's not super clear. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of places to get tripped up in this process. Yep. And, yeah. Uh, the first year we hunted over there, it was trying to navigate that was confusing to say the least. Just you know, not fully understanding. Can we? go and hunt over the mountain here because it's a different unit. And, you know, in, in Idaho, you kind of have to pick your zone and you have to, you have to say, I'm going to hunt this zone and it may include one unit. It may include four units. You know, every zone is different, but in 
Wyoming, that general license, there's a, a big list of, of units you can hunt for elk. And you can bounce from one to the next. You can come back in some of them and hunt with a rifle. Uh, again, you, you kind of need to know which unit you're going to and then look at the specific regulations for that unit just to make sure. Yeah. Have, have you good, had good hunts on the general tag? We have. And you mentioned, you know, you've drawn a lot of tags with one or two points outside mm -hmm. of the general hunt. The general hunt takes, I think in the regular, it you need, I think, three points to be guaranteed. In the special, and I haven't looked at last year's to see if, if the odds increased just with the price increase, but it was two points that you, you needed to have to be guaranteed to draw that with the special. So you need two to three points to draw a general tag. Uh, and there are some draw hunts that you can draw with one point and two <laughs> points. So it's, it, yeah. you know, don't get your hopes up that, hey, it takes more points to draw, so it's going to be better or that hey, this, this special draw tag only takes one point, so it must not be that good. Wyoming has some really good hunting uh, in certain areas, and we've been fortunate that we've, uh, we've put in for a draw hunt, and we've also hunted general units, and I think we've hunted six or seven times in Wyoming, and all of them but one have been on a general, general tag, and we've always gotten into elk. You know, some years it's been a little more difficult. And uh, it seems like we're always navigating other hunters. Mm -hmm. uh, there's always other hunters in the field, but we've always been able to get away from the other hunters and find, find elk. And the one thing to keep in mind is in the units that we've hunted, some of them in the past, there's a rifle deer season that opens in Wyoming on September 15th. Yeah. And that's usually about when we like to be out hunting elk. And the first year I went, I literally couldn't find a place to pull off the road and set up a tent because there were horse trailers and campers and it wasn't just a zoo. But what I realized is all those people were heading way up into the high country, uh, past all the elk, and I got a mile and a half off the road and was into plenty of elk and never ran into any deer hunters. In fact, never ran into any uh, archery elk hunters either. So wow. had some really, really good hunts there. Well, that's good to know. I The units that we've hunted that take one, two, or three points that are limited entry hunts, uh, we usually see plenty of elk. We do see a lot of other hunters, but every time we've went, we've had success. Um, so I pretty hard to, to argue with a state that has 40 to 50% success rate on yeah. their bull elk hunts. And still have most of those units are over objective for population and bull to cow ratio. Yeah. The other part that, this is a, a little bit uh, discomforting for people who aren't familiar with it or don't have it in their backyard like you and I have, is the issue of grizzlies. I would say <laughs> northwest Wyoming has a density of grizzly bears that is off the charts. Yeah, and literally. When you think about, especially archery season, those bears are in what's called the hyperphagia. They are putting on calories all day long, every day. The more protein, the more berries, the more anything they can get, they're coming to get it. So you got to have your head on a swivel. You got to keep a clean camp. 
you got to be thinking about it. If you got an, an elk down and you're going to be gutting it and when you're going to come back and get the rest of it, I mean, you, I've, I've heard you tell some of your stories of <laughs> how many grizzly bears you guys have seen on some of those hunts. Yeah. And you nailed it. You know, I mean, really everything from the Northwest corner of Wyoming clear down to, you know, even South of Jackson hole, uh, east of there, clear out basically into the plains, there are grizzly bears, and there's a high, high concentration of grizzly bears in a lot of those areas. Uh, pretty much anywhere we go in Wyoming, we assume there's going to be bears. And uh, just take those those precautions and, like, you, just having your head on the swivel. You know, hiking in the dark in the morning, we're a lot more cautious, Um we're okay making the right noises that'll scare off the bears and not attract the bears. You know, we do a lot less calling in the dark just because, you know, grizzly bear hears a cow call and thinks there's today's lunch and comes running. So, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot that you have to take into consideration. And the areas that we've hunted, the one year we hunted uh, with Kana Outdoors, they filmed for the linguist project that we did with Sitka. And... Donnie shot his bull. He was the first one in our group to shoot an elk. And we thought, oh, this will be cool. There's a ridge over there 500 yards away, 400, 500 yards away that we can come back to and see if bears actually come to the to the carcass. Because we were seeing lots of sign, but we hadn't actually seen a bear yet. And we came back two nights later, and there were five grizzly bears on that hillside. And one big male bear had kind of claimed the kill. And there were four other bears that were doing everything they could to distract him, to go in and steal a bite. And we witnessed full-on <laughs> grizzly fights, you know, rolling down the hill with teeth and claws engaged. And you wow. know, it, it really opened our eyes to, hey, it's a real issue here. We haven't seen a bear. We've seen sign. But there are five bear on that hillside, and they didn't come from 40 miles away to to eat on the gut pile there. They were These were local bears that we'd been walking around for the last three days, and we, uh, we definitely took a few more precautions after that. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've hunted elk in some parts of Wyoming that do have grizzly bears. Uh, I've not had an encounter while I've been down there. Uh, I've hunted elk in the bighorns twice. Uh, there may be a stray grizzly bear that gets over there, but I've never, you don't hear much of it if they are. Yeah. Uh, I've hunted Southern and central Wyoming a few times, uh, and no grizzly bear issues there. One thing you will see is there is a correlation in the draw odds in non-grizzly country compared to grizzly country and there's nothing wrong with saying you know what i don't live near these bears i'm just not that comfortable i i haven't become acclimated to their behaviors what i have to do and da 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 and if that's the case don't you know just accept that and, and apply in a place where there aren't grizzly bears yeah, if you aren't going to enjoy hiking in the dark or, you know, you're continually just nervous and aren't able to enjoy the hunt, don't even take that chance because it's, I've been around bears, I've hunted in grizzly area, and it's still, 
you know, we're, we're definitely cautious. We never let our guard down. The first couple nights in camp every year, even ha- having hunted there multiple times, the first few nights in camp, every time a pine cone drops out of a tree, you lay there awake listening for another foot to hit the ground and see if it's a bear outside your tent or if it's just a squirrel dropping pine cones. And, yeah. and uh, you know, we, we come to, we take the precautions necessary so I don't ever feel like we are putting ourselves directly in danger's way or taking a, a unnecessary risk. But at the same time, every year there are grizzly attacks. I mean, that's yeah. just, a, and it's, you know, you look at the odds and, there are a thousand people hunting in grizzly area and there are six attacks. So, you know, the odds aren't high, but there are a lot more people that have encounters and you just right. really have to have to be wise as you're out there in that area. Yeah. And back to your point, I've I've had some people get a hold of me and say, you know, I went and hunted in grizzly country this year and I just didn't have any fun. To yep. your point that you just made a few minutes ago, if that's the case, then don't go there because yeah. it's supposed to be fun. If there's something there that's going to unnerve you, yeah, <laughs> there are elk so, areas where there aren't grizzly bears, so you can go there. And I think for us, the reason we go to that area is because there are so many fewer hunters. There really yeah. are fewer hunters, noticeably fewer hunters in those areas, uh, and and we camp in a you know, for service type campground that has food boxes to store your food in that has outhouses. And we do that because it is safer. If we were out bivy hunting and having to store our food, um, you know, boil our, our meals at night and then dispose of the garbage or keep the garbage there. Uh, it just adds a whole bunch more risk to it. And so we do, we, we have a little bit more of a, a gentleman's camp than than the backcountry stuff that we might do somewhere else. Yeah, just we, to, we to minimize did, that. We did one backcountry camp. We had llamas, but to your point, it is a pain in the butt every time you go to get a meal. You got to walk. You know, we hang our food in a tree three hundred yards away. It's twenty feet off the ground. So every time you want some food, you got to walk over there, get it, all your cooking utensils, all your dirty cooking stuff, you know, if it's boiled, uh, dehydrated, rehydrated meals, all that trash has to go in a separate bag and be hung up there. And it's, the temptation is to get lazy about it because of the pain in the butt it requires. Yeah, A lot more effort, a lot more planning. You know, you come back after dark, the last thing you want to do is walk 300 yards through the trees in the dark to where you have your grizzly bear bait set up. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, your food's all hanging there in a tree. And now you've got to go there in the dark with a headlamp, hoping a bear hasn't found your food stash. And yeah, so just by, then, by staying in those designated camp areas, we're able to boil our meals and walk the packaging straight to the bear garbage. You know, the dumpsters that are made to keep bears out so that doesn't yeah. attract them put it in there all of our food stays in in metal boxes that are provided in the campground and we've never had an issue you know knock on wood we've never had a bear in camp in uh, in all the years we've been to wyoming good well i hope it stays that way me too so, <laughs> there, there are two tools that i use when i'm doing my applications and in western wyoming it is the, the access issues aren't that challenging because it's 
predominantly public land, mostly Forest Service. If you want to get to central, north central, southern, other parts of Wyoming where there is still some great elk hunting, you got to be pretty handy with your Onyx system. And depending on where I'm applying, I end up spending a lot of time out on Onyx trying to determine, all right, Wyoming has a little asterisk that says access is difficult. Well, with Onyx, I can look at that and say, all right, if I were to draw a tag, what's the likelihood I could make a hunt of it because I found enough places to go? And I can tell people right now, do not apply for Unit 125 unless you have (laughs) some (laughs) access. Because I got so cute last year, I'm like, Look at that. Unit 125 has leftovers. You can draw it as a second choice. Well, I got it as a second choice, and I went down there in December. I I hunted it. That season runs till December 31st. There were four one-mile sections that touched the road. And me and everybody else who had the tag figured out where those were, and we were all standing there looking at each other, waiting for the wind to stop blowing. So don't waste your money on that unit. Even though the draw odds are really, really good, don't waste your money on it unless you have prearranged access. Yep. It, it, yeah. You can be as handy as you want with OnX, but you're not going to have a different outcome in that unit without having prearranged access. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned it, you know, just if the draw odds look too good to be true, there there's a reason. And there are some units that the north half of the unit is wilderness. And the south half is 75% private. And you look at it and you think, all right, I can, you know, I can finagle my way in on that public land outside of the wilderness there. But then you start factoring in weather and hunting pressure and other things. And it's just, you know, it, it, if you want to take a chance, go for it. But for $1,283, that's a, that's a pretty steep chance to take to hope that you catch elk on the section of public land that you can actually hunt. And yeah. Realistically, there are there are other units with good draw odds where you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, the example you just painted there was the reality for us one year. It, there was a lot of wilderness area and then a lot of non-wilderness area. Well, guess where most of the elk were? Yep. <laughs> In the wilderness area. <laughs> and guess where our camp and a bunch of other non-resident camps were set up? Really close to the wilderness area. It made that (laughs) two to three mile buffer along the wilderness area, outside the wilderness area. It made it very crowded. And uh, we lucked out and we shot a bull on that hunt and had a couple other encounters. But we talked to some other people who were completely frustrated. Um, And and I can understand why. Uh, So... It's it's handy to take your Onyx and check that stuff out before you get the tag, before you even apply for the tag, then to yep. find it out after the fact. So I think a lot of a lot of listeners might, you know, we talk a lot about Onyx and how handy it is in the field. You know, you just pull out your phone and you're walking along, you can see right where the property boundaries are and a whole bunch of other features, but it's equally as powerful 
on your computer and to sit there and research, you know, through Go Hunt and have one screen with Go Hunt and one screen with OnX pulled up. It's really quick and easy to kind of cross-reference there and and get a really good idea of what you're going to be up against or look for some of those pockets that might get overlooked. Yeah, it's those are the two tools that are essential to our application strategy and our planning. And just without them, the Go Hunt Insider and Onyx Maps, uh, it, it's <laughs> the reason we talk about them is because they're that important. They work. So, it's, it's <laughs> and it, I was, I've been signed up on auto renew since they came out just to make sure that I don't ever lapse and yeah. not have them because they, they really are. They're legit. Yeah, I noticed my credit card got hit for. The, my go hunt fee the other day. They must they must hit me on January first every year. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah, uh, but hey, one thing I, one thing I wanted to mention going back to the grizzly bear mm-hmm. uh, idea, we always try to hunt earlier in the month of September when we're hunting mm-hmm. grizzly areas, and there's a couple reasons. Number one, uh, I think rifle season that general hunt in some of those grizzly areas, every time a rifle goes off, the grizzlies know there's a dead elk there. I'm heading to it. I mean, it really is a dinner bell. And you had mentioned, you know, they're in whatever that phase is where they're putting on a lot of fat. They, uh, that first part of September, a lot of times they're still up higher eating berries and they haven't transitioned into the dinner bell phase where they're used to hunters providing a meal for them. And I think just the the longer you go into hunting season, every day that passes, there's another gut pile, another carcass. And that's conditioning those bears throughout the month of September to come into the areas where the hunters are. And I think earlier in the season, we found we have very, very few encounters with bears. You know, the, the berry, we'll see their tracks, but they're up high. They're eating berries. Um, they aren't coming down. I think towards the end of the month, that's usually when you start seeing some some of those attacks is the 20th of September on because there are more hunters in the field. There are more animals being shot, and the bears are getting a little bit more accustomed to basically tracking along and, and looking for those carcasses, and that's where you run into trouble is when you get an elk down and there's another carcass over the ridge that somebody shot two days before and that bears on it and he smells your elk and you go back to get game bags and come back and he's claimed it. So I think yeah. uh, if you are going to take that chance, it seems like earlier, the earlier you go, the better, uh, the further it goes into the fall, the the more likelihood that the bears are going to be more concentrated and yeah. more chance yeah. of a run in. A couple of ways to, to know even more about that is, if you talk to a biologist, whether with the Game and Fish Agency or the Forest Service, they will tell you when, because the bears will go up high and feed on cutworm moths, and they'll go after white bark pine. They'll, there's a lot of other food sources they get that are up higher, and those biologists can give you a general time period of when the bears are up really high. And for me, I I'm, my best strategy for not getting eaten by a bear is to avoid them. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's, like you were mentioning, there's times of the year where they're in very concentrated areas that either increase or decrease your likelihood of an, of an encounter. So yep. that information's out there. 
Definitely. Well, I, uh, I hope that I draw Wyoming this year, but I only have, let's see, three points. So the odds of me drawing are somewhere, well, far less than, they're, they're slightly more than zero, but not much more than zero. <laughs> and we're kind of at the same, we're, we're even less because we drew it two years ago. So I have one point from last year and then our application this year. And we're still not, we've, we've got to get our mind made up here, but we haven't made our plan for the fall yet of what we're going to do for sure. And this definitely complicates it with a different draw result date and holding on to the money for so long. And that, uh, we'll come up with a plan here in the next week or two that may or may not include Wyoming this year. Yeah. Well, here with our crew, uh, me and all my camera guys, um, we're we're gonna apply. It's just looking at the fact that we all have low point totals. It's a bit of a swing for the fences option for all yeah. of us. And if we end up with something in one of the other states before the Wyoming withdrawal deadline of May eighth, there's a really good chance that one of us draw, say, Colorado or New Mexico or Arizona or something where we find out before that. Uh, Colorado, you don't find out till the end of May. But New Mexico and Arizona, you do. Uh, and if there's a conflict of dates, we'll be using that with that late withdrawal date uh, yep. to not have an overlap. I hope that's a problem we have. Exactly. <laughs> Unlike It's nice to have that problem and a solution. Yeah, but and for those listening, if you uh, do sign up for Go Hunts Insider, um, use promo code Elk Talk, and they're going to give you fifty dollars of uh, credit in their gear shop. And on X, we'll give you twenty dollars off any of that products you buy. So, yep. Well, twenty uh, percent off. Twenty percent off. Yeah, what did I say? $20 off. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, Newberg, <laughs> hope you're planning on writing a check for a bunch of refunds. <laughs> 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 Thanks for correcting me on that one. 20 yeah. off, folks, not $20 off. Where is that? Go, uh, Go Hunt Insider. Yeah, that's actually $50 of store credit. So that's true cash. But anything else we're... Yeah. We're missing in Wyoming. I, I mean, we could sit here forever and talk about the little minutia of it, but yeah. the strategy no, article you know, the only, go hunt, do a good job of it. Yeah, the only other thing I'd mention is, you know, in the past you've been able to draw an elk tag and know by February 21st, and then the deer application isn't until later in the year. So you could, say, draw a tag for elk and know you have that and then apply for a deer tag and draw that deer tag also knowing that you're going and, and going to be there. Um, now you don't have that luxury of being able to plan for two tags in Wyoming. You're kind of locked in of applying for both of them and finding out about the same time, whether you drew one or the other, and you might only draw one, you might draw both and not want to. It's, you know, it, it just, it just takes a lot of the flexibility that has been really nice of Wyoming to provide us in the past. And it takes yeah. that away from us. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, you know, Wyoming, last I read, they said the results for the elk draw will be late May. 
I don't know if they've yet locked themselves into a date, but the deer deadline is May 31st. So late May, May 31st is still late May for the elk results. Yeah. So we, it, like you're saying, it's possible that if they release those elk dates so late, that you aren't going to get a chance to try to double up. Yeah. So. Well, I think that, I think that covers it though. Yeah, I hope so. I just, people remember, you know, the first step of going hunting is drawing a tag. And if Wyoming doesn't work for you in your budget and it holds on to your money too long, just don't forget to go and apply for a point. And even, and here's the other part. Last year was the first year, 2019 was the first year where you couldn't buy your point during the application period. You had to go back in in July through October to get it. The number of people who missed out on a point last year <laughs> was way more than I expected. Yeah. So even if you're unsuccessful, say you run the whole Wyoming gamut and you, the draw comes out and you aren't successful, remember you have to go and buy your point later on in the year. Yeah, it used to be you could apply for a hunt, and if you were unsuccessful, there was a box you could mark and say, if yep. I'm unsuccessful, I want, a, I want a preference point for 50 bucks. Yep. And that's no longer the case. If you're unsuccessful, now you have to go back in and purchase that preference point uh, July through November 2nd uh, in order to get it, or you miss out. Yeah. Don't miss out. Yeah. Or if you do, don't tell us about it. <laughs> don't blame us for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well it's always for me uh and it's not as exciting as the fall when the hunting happens but it gives me an awful lot of mental gymnastics to go through in planning calendars and draw odds and researching units and there is some some fun in that uh I wish states would stay a little more the same and consistent this this is probably the the first year Wyoming has had as many changes as they have. Uh, They've always had little tweaks here and there, but at least for the elk part of the draw, this is a pretty big change. So be paying attention. Yep. Yeah. And that's, you know, and you get into all these different States happening, starting here in January and, and on through May and even into June. uh, I have a spreadsheet and I have reminders on my computer that pop up and tell me, Hey, this application period is coming up and I know go hunt has reminders and it's uh it takes some some organization to be able to stay on top of all of that and make sure you don't miss a deadline well let's wrap this one up and our next podcast about drawing I think is going to cover Arizona yep Arizona is next on the list for application deadlines so we'll uh we'll tackle Arizona in the next podcast Yeah, and you're not going to want to miss that one, folks, because when we go through how the change of tag numbers is in Arizona this year, that's their big change. You're sitting on a ton of points in Arizona, aren't you? Uh, You know, Arizona standards, I wouldn't say a ton, but I think I have 11. Okay. So, yeah, I have have a good, I have a small wagon full of them anyway. Okay. I, I can fit all mine in my shirt pocket. I only have four. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, Corey, you have a great day. Uh, you we'll, too. We'll uh, figure out 
uh, Arizona and get that one up before the deadline of February 11th. And, uh, I gotta be careful. I got a reminder on my calendar for February 11th. Cause that's also my anniversary. Ooh, I better get Arizona done well before that. Cause if my wife saw me not paying attention to her on February 11th, my hunting career could be over. <laughs> we wouldn't want that to happen no 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 well thanks for listening folks appreciate you being here yep. catch you on the next one <laughs>